2: This is Conspiranormal. Okay,
3: welcome to Conspiranormal, everybody. All you good folks out there. I'm here, Adam, and your favorite co host, Serfiel.
2: Yes, hello, everybody. Hello, fellow Conspiranormalists, members of the Mystic crew, and those. Ancient Adepts of the Circle of Strange Realities.
3: Yes, yes. Hello. Yes, all that includes all of our patrons and our own, like, special secret society. So, guys, we have Michael Hughes on with us. Um, It's been, like, it's been, like, over four years, I think,
4: since I've had Damn. Wow. Yeah. It doesn't seem like that long, but... Yeah,
3: I know. Time, it was, I think, November of 2017, so... Time, time really does fly when you're when you're having fun.
2: Four eventful years.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Four very eventful years. <laughs> which, you can say which, that again.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> which we might get into some of that, but uh, Mike, what I originally uh, got you on for, and we'll talk about some of the things. We're not going to spend all the, our time on this, but um, we started the year with uh, an interview with Alex Harris. And it was about a book that he wrote called "Why Evil Matters." I, I guess that it has since come out. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. But uh, we kind of um, we kind of had a little hard time with this interview. Just kind of just like personally in amongst ourselves. Um, I thought it went well. I thought it was fine. But some thing we had to like kind of do a a. Um, a disclaimer, almost a disclosure. We had to do a disclaimer on that episode, which is one of the things we, we hardly ever do in case anybody knows, like, you know, some of our guests viewpoints may not be our viewpoints, but we had to do one of those things. Soraya incidentally had to do one of those too, uh, for, for that as well. But that was for some other things, but we got on the subject of, I guess the satanic panic we got on the subject of Pizzagate uh, very, very briefly. I didn't talk about it too much. But you, I had you on back in November 2017, like I just said, because, well, you. I guess you can tell the story. And the reason why I wanted to get you on for this, because to kind of, to kind of, to kind of like because we didn't feel like we were really prepared to like counter some of the things that we said like the McMartin preschool case for instance I know kind of like the gist of it I know some I, but I don't know like all the background and all the details of the McMartin case and so you know a little bit more about all this kind of stuff because you've kind of had to refute I guess some of this in the past
4: Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't say that I'm an expert by any means. And as far as my history goes, like back in the 80s and 90s when this stuff was picking up, I was was swept up in it. You know, I I had friends that would bring in like uh, audio tapes from their evangelical churches talking about, you know, backwards masking on on rock and roll records and stuff like that and so i was i knew a lot of people that really believed this you know this satanic you know this this satanic plot to just you know enslave people through subliminal means and all that sort of thing
2: grand conspiracy
4: yeah i was i was i was inclined to believe it i mean i was a kid and i was into spooky titillating stuff like horror and the supernatural and you know and this stuff was freaky and it scared me and so i was i was drawn to those ideas that you know the people were talking about and then you know i i even remember like the geraldo rivera special about (laughs) satan how satan was you know in all the preschools and all this stuff so all, all that was sort of percolating in my mind. And then like in the late 80s and early 90s, the early internet era, I was really into conspiracies. And that was that was a big part of the conspiracy lore at the time, or at least a certain segment of it. Uh, the idea of ritual abuse, you know, it's where I first learned about Project MKUltra and just, you know, some of the real stuff that, that happened. Some of the terrible stuff that happened. You and Cameron, and all the horrible stuff he he did at McGill and 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 um in Canada and things like that. So there was, I mean, there was real scary, terrifying stuff in the public record that that had kind of come out at that point. So I was primed for this kind of thing and I was a member of a lot of like bulletin boards where people who alleged to be survivors of of satanic ritual abuse and you know government experiments and uh you know uh my labs you know people had said that ufo abductions were actually done by the military and that was all for mind control purposes and kathy o'brien i mean i i so i was immersed in all of this stuff and i found some of it kind of compelling you know it's and it is compelling reading because it kind of tweaks that little part of us that loves horror stories and and loves like these really grotesque nightmare sort of story. The same, and I'm a horror writer, and I always mm-hmm. read horror fiction. So, this was like, oh, wow, what if some of this horrific stuff is actually real? I mean, that's it's compelling. People love it. And if you have a religious mindset that, that this kind of a Manichaean idea that there's evil in the world and there's good and it's in a constant struggle i mean it's super easy to buy into that stuff so i was primed for it i read it Uh, i i still was skeptical about you know especially like the kathy o'brien stuff where you know pretty much every famous musician (laughs) and politician was was you know part of this you know boxcar Willie <laughs> right. yep. right. yes, and you know, and just part of this you know flesh eating cannibalistic satanic cult, so I started to kind of think, wait a minute, you know some of this sounds a little a little too much, and as i you know i I, I sort of started realizing that in order to really get at the truth of conspiracy culture and conspiracy lore, I had to turn around my intellect and try to tear it apart because it's easy to believe it. You know, it's easy to say that's interesting and that appeals to my idea of good and evil. So I'm going to just start believing it. And once you believe it, you start looking for confirmation everywhere. The whole confirmation bias kicks in and a whole part of the of like the the rush of finding a connection you know i'd be on these conspiracy boards and i'd find oh wow this politician was associated with this singer and both of these guys are allegedly you know part of this satanic cult so and you make that connection and you share with the community and then you know you get a you get like an endorphin hit from, yeah. it. you know, you're, you're, you're just building this mythology and you're getting community recognition for it. So it's really kind of a self-fulfilling sort of thing as you, as you kind of dig deeper and deeper. But my, 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 my idea was that, was that, look, if I'm going to think about these conspiracies, I should spend as much time trying to take it apart as i am trying to to build it or or to or to sort of add to it or to accept it and when i started doing that it really made me realize that like so many conspiracies just fall apart under basic logic you know it's always the idea that there's a them out there and they do this and they you know the people always say well they don't want you to believe this or they cover it all up and I I started saying well who is they like tell me exactly who these people are and how they can continue to do this cover-up like if there's this enormous cover-up of satanic elite ritual people if it's all of hollywood and government are engaged in this giant doing these giant rituals you know the super bowl is a giant illuminati (laughs) ritual or or whatever then um, then tell me how many people are involved how many people would have to be involved how many people would have to keep their mouths shut how could you know decades go by without something not slipping up and and the more you start to interrogate these these conspiracy ideas the more they fall apart and you realize like how absurd it is to believe that there is this like all powerful elite and you know another part of it is is like i started be- you know hanging out with people in professional circles, you know, as you get a bit older, you're not just, you know, sitting at your, you know, at your computer uh, talking about conspiracies with people, but you're out there in the world, you know, like meeting people in your local government, you know, meeting, uh, you know, celebrities or, or, or whatever, and you uh, meeting people in law enforcement and things like that meeting someone, someone who's, yeah, my dad's in the CIA or whatever, you know? And I'm like, well, your dad doesn't look like he eats babies. Um, Mm -hmm. So, so what's going on here? And it's just when you, when you aren't so insular and you start to understand like how society works and how the pieces all work, you just realize it can't be this ridiculously, powerful elite manipulating everything. So I think that's what I just started turning my skepticism on some of these conspiracies. And it really started to wake me up in a lot of ways. I've been fooling myself for a long time.
2: Well, you really touched on something interesting and that's, you saw the way that you were engaging with this material what's really going on with the way people consume this material? What are they really getting into? Um, it seems like they're kind of in this occult detective thing and they're, they're seeking a lot of times what I think are altered states and are better understood in like spiritual and occult contexts. And the way everything turns into this overarching grand uh, conspiracy of society narrative, it approaches like the worst elements of, of Gnosticism and things like, like this whole worldview. It's very odd. What's really going on? This is, it's not just uh, research about something like the Kennedy assassination or just investigative journalism. Really? It, it becomes something entirely different and it affects people in, in different ways.
4: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's a, it's a worldview in which um, you can't trust anyone or anything. Yeah, I mean, the easiest way conspiracy theorists shut people down when they start questioning is like, oh, yeah, well, that's just the mainstream media, man. And then they go on about, well, the mainstream media is controlled by X, Y, Z, the Jews, you know, whatever. And so you can't even though. Yes. I mean, there's there are all sorts of problems with The New York Times and The Washington Post and. And, uh, and CNN and MSNBC and Fox, you know, there's, but, but uh, journalism is built upon like verification and multiple levels of verification. So while there's definitely a slant to a lot of mainstream news, like if they break a particular story, and there are multiple sources supporting this story you can be pretty sure that that it's substantiated you know but but what happens is when you become so enmeshed in conspiracies and i've been there so i know what i'm talking about is that you you refuse to believe anything other than the material that's coming in that's titillating you that's feeding your confirmation bias about how you what you want to believe and who you want to believe and it's just gotten worse because you know back in the day when I was deeply into this stuff I'd pick up you know a, a magazine out you know at the weird bookstore where I like to shop steam shovel press or paranoia or something like that and this you had to kind of seek this information mm-hmm. out
2: way more subcultural
4: yeah it was way more subcultural and that was Kind of the the intriguing part of it to me,
3: or it was just w- something weird that was like stapled to a telephone pole, right. you know that back. <laughs> and in it those could days. be
4: interesting, yeah. Xeroxed like a thousand times, right? Or or these zines you had to send away for, and you know that's cool. That was really fun, sort of cultural thing. Um, but what it did is it, but what happened now? You know, I mean, you've got your uncle and your grandmother sending each other, you know, QAnon stuff back, back and forth and how, you know, Bill Gates is trying to microchip their vaccine. And, and it's, it's, it's just terrifying that it all exists within this kind of self referential bubble. Um, and you can't break into it and you can't break out of it. Like, like once you're in it, social media has definitely been a big player in that. Um, and uh, so it, it, it's just – it's be- conspiracy has become mainstream in a way I never, ever could have imagined. And it's also been pushed, um, I, I believe, expressly and purposely towards the yes. right by a lot of different actors involved. But it's also – I mean, I think like a lot of the Pizzagate stuff – just erupted out of you know 4chan and 8chan and all these message boards and some of it was people really caught up in that thing and saying oh well let's look at the coded words and and John Podesta's emails and oh my god maybe that's you know child sex abuse or something like that but really to me when I was looking at it it looked like they're talking about weed and they, you know, they, Hey, I left my weed over at your house. Can you please hold
2: on to it for me? Something like that. And right. They they jumped to the most extreme conclusion. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was really like a, a game though. And that's where QAnon obviously evolved out of pizza gate, but you have the, you had like the instructions to the game or, or the, you know, in the, uh, this, fbi supposed fbi document with the terminology and then you got the podesta emails. so then you know it was it was really a game
4: yeah and i've done experiments with like um taking two disparate elements i did this for a message board i was on for a while called rigorous intuition um, which was a pretty good conspiracy board i think it probably even still exists and and people were finding like all these ties to 9 And I said, well, how about I just pick like Britney Spears, you know, just pulled something <laughs> out of my ass, Britney Spears, and I'll connect Britney Spears with 9-11. And I did that as an exercise. And sure enough, like if you look for connections, you start finding connections because we're all connected you know been, and yeah. and you it's and that's such that's like i think if more if more people that were in con, into conspiracy theories just did these little self checks like that and like tried to come up with the most outrageous two connections and then try to connect them together they start to see like the process that our minds do and how we, cause I started to believe it, you know, I mean, the, it was so like, well, wait, Britney Spears knew this guy and he was the son of, a, of an actor who was on the plane, you know, all this stuff. And you really can start to believe it because we're human beings are really good at making connections. Like right. that's how we survived the savannas. You know, we, we, we noticed that there was, Oh, there's this, you know, the brush over here has been disturbed. Hey, maybe there's something lurking there that wants to eat me. You know, we just, we understand how to make patterns and tie things together, but, but that can be a dangerous thing as, as we, as we see now, but it was, but it's back to McMartin. I mean, um I listened to that uh, Securus interview. Um I have a history with him. He invited me on, his show to talk about Pizzagate, and he yelled at me for the whole time. Uh, I mean, literally yelled at me for over an hour and a half, I believe, and he never put it online, I think, because he was embarrassed. Um, But I couldn't get a a word in edgewise. I had all these facts. I've written a piece online about where I refuted point by point the the whole nonsense of Pizzagate, and he didn't want to hear it. Um, But when he talks about things like McMartin, you know, all you have to do again, if all you if all you do is go online and read the stuff that wants to make you believe that McMartin was was a real satanic ritual abuse episode and all those hundreds of children were taken to graveyards where people were dug up out of coffins and they stabbed them. Animals were sacrificed. You know, they were violated with knives and forks and just horribly sexually abused and played the naked rock star game and all this other stuff. Chuck Norris Uh, is down there. (laughs) And, but the thing is, if you just go and read the stuff that wants you to believe that you can come away pretty convinced. But I think if you're going to call yourself a skeptic, and if you have that in the title of the name of your your podcast, you really should act like a skeptic and go read the refutations of this stuff. And then maybe you'll see why the the case was essentially fell apart. You know, after many, many millions of dollars and people spending their lives in jail who were innocent, um, all you need to do is just take a look at it. From the opposing viewpoint, and and you'll see that no, it wasn't some grand cover up, and and all these people got off because everyone in the judicial system and all the jurors were terrorized by Satanists. It's just that the evidence was garbage, and when for, for Alex to say that the the first boy who was considered you know the first victim by his mother was bleeding out his butt, and I think he screamed that twice. On your show, no, he wasn't. He was taken to the police. He was taken to a medical examiner. They found no evidence that he had been sexually abused. He had like a rash and he had been having a hard time going to the bathroom. I've had toddlers. They get rashes and they have a hard time going to the bathroom. So, So at least if you're going to be talking about this stuff, read the trial transcripts. Like read the facts and don't just go... You know, saying things that aren't true, and and all you have to do is look at what these, like uh, I think her name was Key, uh, the woman who was the main who was interviewing all these kids. She was it was horrible leading questions. I mean, anyone could read those transcripts, and then when the jurors got those transcripts and when they saw those tapes, they said, "Holy shit!" This is awful. She's leading these kids on, you know. So, I, 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 and and the other thing, and you guys mentioned the tunnels too, and that's something that's that's still out there and circulating as well. But there's a really great paper um, that was that was an analysis of that the archaeologist, uh, the guy who was kind of uh, sympathetic to the idea of of there being, you know, satanic ritual abuse. And there's a really good paper that talks about what those so-called tunnels were, were, were were garbage dumps that had been built by the people who lived near that property. And it followed the exact kind of structure of garbage dumps. People would dig a hole, they throw their garbage in it, their food garbage, um, you know, junk from around their house, then it would fill up and then they dig another hole next to it. And, they found things in these holes that were like the mailbox from the nineteen fifties that belonged to the people who lived on that property and had their name on it and everything. I mean, there was stuff from the from the nineteen twenties to the nineteen fifties. There were bones, and everybody's like, oh see, that proves, you know, they're animal bones. Mm-hmm. But there were things like steak bones. Right. The the the, the cut the bones had cuts on them that were from like a butcher saw and, and they weren't horse bones or anything like, you know, they were, they were bones of like animals that might have lived on that property and like food that people had eaten and stuff like that. So there's just, you know, you just look at the totality of it. And at, at minimum, I think you have to say that, well, this is, we're not quite sure. I mean, maybe you want to believe that something still happened, but you at least have to admit that a lot of the evidence strongly suggests that this was just a a, a lot of bullshit and, and, and driven by satanic panic, which was a real deal. Now on on that show, which, you
3: know, I kind of admit like when he started talking about all that stuff, I, I was just like, I really don't know. I mean, I knew some things about the tunnels uh, turns out I had read that article that you had sent me. I had just, you know, for whatever reason, I'd forgotten about that. And I'd heard that there were tunnels, but it really wasn't that like big of a deal. Um, you know, when we did that show, I was just kind of, well, I kind of took the stance and you just, you heard it today that like, well, maybe if there was some kind of sexual abuse that went on, it's unfortunate that all the satanic panic ridiculous bullshit was on that because then it allowed it just to become a circus. And so no real justice was done, but I don't honestly think that that's what happened. I mean, I think that it was probably just um, something that just got blown out of proportion.
4: I think so too. I mean, and that's why most of the people were let off and that's why most of these, you know, preschool satanic ritual cases were eventually thrown out in, and with with even some of the the people who were children recanting mm-hmm. and saying god i'm sorry you know i'm sorry that i got talked into saying this stuff and and we know how we know how easy it is to to talk especially children you know they've got they've got a grown up sitting there who's really nice to them and is telling them uh, as as the woman did in mcmartin and in other places these terrible things happen to the other children you know here's the doll that they touch you here did they put their finger there and the child's terrified and and if the child doesn't answer the way they the adult wants them to then the, the child can tell that the adult is not happy with that so they start to make it up i mean it's so it's so simple and when you read these transcripts it's cringeworthy that this that this stuff was going on a lot of times it wasn't even qualified professionals doing it you know it was these people
2: yeah it was an entire cottage industry
4: yeah yeah i mean you've seen the videos of these you know that they would that of guys going to police departments and talking about all the satanic stuff and you know going to an underpass and showing a you know a pentagram painted mm-hmm. and stuff like that like yeah this yeah. these are kids listening to heavy metal and you know smoking greens and and painting <laughs> shit on an underpass right there, yeah.
2: It's of course it is that's culture you know <laughs> that i was kind of honestly i was kind of surprised that he did uh, go back to Mcmorton and push that so much uh, because in You know, of course, McMartin, the imaginations that went into that, you know, has a lot further back, uh, you know, precedents, going back to things like blood libel and stuff that you pointed out, too. But um, the the permutations of the same stuff from Satanic Panic era that have been endlessly recycled now, I mean, they don't – there's really not a consciousness of the 80s and the Satanic Panic. It's all just recycled stuff. So I was kind of surprised that he did go back – to that because so much of that has been so discredited but we see these same memes that we recognize because we've been in this you know when conspiracy theory is more subcultural but that's what's that's what's weird to me but you know because so much of conspiracy theory is like uh, self-generating you just had to get the ball rolling back in the 80s with this stuff and it's just kept on no matter what no matter how dubious the foundations are
4: yeah. And and when I was caught up in it back in the day, you know, there were books coming out by therapists and, and stuff like that. I were studying it. I had a friend whose sister uh was a was a social worker and you know, she you know, she was all a believer and and things like that. And the media, you know, like that Geraldo show and it was just reinforced. And it was, again, it's titillating stuff, you know, I mean, we all know it's terrible and it's, it's taboo and horrifying, but we're drawn to terrible and taboo and horrifying stuff. I mean, even though, you know, and it's like the more of a, like a religious, you know, deeply religious person you are, I think maybe even the more you're drawn to that versus some, weirdo like me who writes horror stories and you know and, and practices magic and and stuff like that like i think the more rigid you are and the more scared or maybe just the more repressed religiously or psychologically you are the more that stuff holds an appeal um you know it's more taboo it's darker and And it's, 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 it's easier to buy into because secretly you're fascinated by it. Same with like, you know, closeted gay men, you know, tend to be the most homophobic um, because they're, they're, you know, like afraid of, of, of what's inside of them. And they project it outward as anger uh, and stuff like that. But yeah, it's, it's weird to see it coming around again because you think people learn and i had I had a good friend who, when he was in high school, his Dungeons and Dragons Club was challenged by like the the local church. and they were you know they were harassing the kids and putting pamphlets all over the place and stuff like that. And that seems kind of silly now when you know you go on YouTube and there's like, yeah, you know, millions, you know, millions of people watching people play D and famous actors and stuff but but it was real deal i mean people were terrified you know people people thought you were going to go to hell and and for for playing a fantasy game but the fact that again we're going through this kind of new satanic panic you know upcycled for uh you know the maga crowd it just just boggles my mind it's like these things just don't go away you know yeah. they, they get shoved aside for a little while and then they just come screaming back
3: out again they re- they get recycled again and again and again i i watched the um today i watched the QAnon uh this report that cnn did like a, b- a couple of nights ago about uh about QAnon and how it has its really All that adrenochrome stuff, it really just has its roots in the blood libel stuff. The killing of children, the harvesting, the the taking of blood, putting it in the matzo balls. It's all just kind of like this recycled anti-Semitic tropes. And... One of the things also that they talked about was one of the, the guy that was talking to Anderson Cooper, he even was talking about the blue avians and that's all like the Corey Good UFO weirdness. So and and just a a, a point that I that I was I think I wanted to make about, about Alex and about the book specifically was that what I couldn't really square Was, and there's a lot in it that's about consciousness and all that, and that's totally fine. But then there was this whole chapter about how Jesus, about how Christianity was made up by the Romans and all this type of stuff. And then in the next few chapters, He's talking to like Russ Dizdar and William Ramsey, which William I don't know if you're familiar with these guys. But William Ramsey, Russ Dizdar is one of these guys that uh, he he's pretty much like re, it's recycled Satanic Panic stuff. You know, he believes that there's these altered personalities that are going to come out as the they're called something called the Black Awakening. William, I've had both these guys on my show. William Ramsey uh, is big on like occult conspiracy theories, especially about. Crowley, And one of the books that he wrote was about um, the West Memphis three and the smiley face killer too. Yeah. The West Memphis three case and how he believes that it really was done by Damien Echols and the other two. And uh, even though that is just something that has been gone over and over and over again. And it's like the evidence lends to it, not being them enough to get them uh, free. Enough to get them free, even though they even though they are technically guilty. But you know that's there's a whole story behind that. Uh, it just seemed odd to kind of square this chapter about like you're basically discounting Christianity, and then you're talking to these really ultra Christian guys. To me, and I am a Christian. To me, it was just it it just seemed contradictory.
4: Yeah. It's, it's, it's just like a blender full of bullshit, you know, that, that, that some of these people embrace. I mean, Crowley, what, I mean, what, why are people still obsessing about Alistair Crowley? <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but
2: he would be happy to hear it. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, it's
4: like, yes. can we find a different boogeyman than this <laughs> guy, this guy that's been dead, and you know, there's maybe like 500 Thelemites in the whole world, you know, actually <laughs> practicing his religion. I, I, I've never been a Crowleyite. I, I he, he's a fascinating character, but I mean, I think he was, you know, kind of a messed up human in a lot of ways. Um, you know, terrible poetry writer, whatever. But really, <laughs> we're still, we're still. Oh yeah, Crowley's still the boogeyman these days like you it's the the it's like these people and i have no qualm with christians i grew up catholic like i i i'm a jesus is just all right by me kind of guy um but these demented people who you know they've just they've watched too many scary movies you know they think Th- and they start to project these ideas on onto the, the bigger world. Yeah. Like if you're worried about children um, being abused, sexually abused and trafficked, good for you. But like it doesn't matter if it's someone in a dark hooded robe that's abusing this child. It, it's just as likely to be your your pastor you know? uh, or or Uncle Bob, you know, cool old Uncle Bob that likes to take the kids out you know for a walk in the park it's this fixation on the occult and the demonic as as like the the big boogeyman like come on people like just stop watching scary movies
2: like well th- that's a good a comedy point. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good point because of your your position as a fiction writer and you know understanding the power of speculative fiction I mean, how does that inform your way of thinking about this stuff? Because you you create worlds, right? And that's essentially what's going on with a lot of these people.
4: Yeah, I mean, I love horror. I love spooky stuff, and that was part of the reason. I, just like many other people, like you know, the satanic ritual abuse, I, I I thought was it was just an engaging subject. It's it's scary to think that there's this you know masterful all-powerful demonic satanic cabal that is just trying to take over society and steal your children and and they you know the 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 super bowl halftime ritual is how they <laughs> they celebrate their you know they and then that's the other thing like okay if you're going to be doing illuminati codes why are you doing this stuff at the suit you know it it all just kind of falls apart like what is the logic of these, of these world controlling groups, you know, putting all their symbolism up at the Super Bowl, where they show that we are the Illuminati, you know? Well,
2: yeah. I mean, a lot of this really goes back to that, you know, the famous uh, anti Semite Michael A. Hoffman II, his idea of revelation of the method. So much of this stuff, especially that's gotten popular on YouTube, these ideas, obsessing about finding occult symbolism everywhere, goes back to that because they he believes in this formula that they have to put out things publicly that are subconsciously acknowledged by us, and that then allows them to have this uh, this sway over us, or it allows their ritualism to work, which is it's crazy, and it's a really weird occult thing in itself. And a lot of, you know, you talk about this like pattern seeking and a lot of this, this weird stuff. A lot of that I think is, um, is kind of an occult divination in itself. So you have these people who like anti-occultists, but they're actually engaging in something that I think is occult. And
4: they feed it, you know, like if I was making a, if I was working in Hollywood and i was in charge of the next super bowl halftime show i'd pack that shit full of occult symbolism just to freak these people out you know and that's that's what that's what people in hollywood are doing yeah it's a it's a
3: feedback loop it's a feedback loop
4: they're not (laughs) stupid you know they know if someone (laughs) if someone has a music video with their uh with their hands in a triangle looking through their eye that it's gonna you know make all the anti-illuminati pants pissers lose well
3: well, the thing is we we've probably dealt with about at least a good 15 years of this now right. at this point. I mean, you know, a couple of years ago, you had Taco Bell saying that they were controlled by the Illuminati, <laughs> you know? So like some, you know, it was obviously a joke, but I'm sure somebody on the internet posted, see, see, we've been telling you all along, but I, I but I think, I think it's something that Surfiel and I have talked about many, many times is that there's like there, Unfortunately, there is a very big lack of education in the arts and in literature, especially like nothing wrong with STEM. okay, nothing wrong with that. But when we're going to focus like solely on STEM and we're going to let the arts and literature and mythology and these type of things not being taught, when people see these things now, they have no context, right right
4: like uh, the all the stuff about um john podesta's brother's art you know oh my god it's hard it's horrifying um it's it's you know how could someone have a picture or or you know maria abramovich um oh you know cannibalistic cakes or something like that no that's not that's nothing new you know there's a there's a famous painting of Saturn eating his children. You know, a famous classical, I think Renaissance yeah. painting, Go- and Goya. it's the god Satagoya, and and you know Saturn's <laughs> ripping into his child's throat. And and Hieronymus Bosch. You know, what could be more surreal and dark and twisted and disturbed as Bosch? N- none of this stuff is new, and and it's so so. If, you know the people going off about the podestas art some of it was kind of gross you know some of the stuff mm-hmm. with like kids or whatever and it was i would certainly never hang in my house I, I would never even want to see it you know it was edgy in a way that i don't like um but all that says is his taste is really kind of grotesque and um you know maybe you could think you know ill of his character for having that kind of art and that would be fine but to take from that 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 there's you know a basement in a pizza place where you know hillary clinton and others are drinking the blood of babies sucking out adrenochrome and that sort of thing it's just it's the fact that that became, when it first popped up like i had people texting me This is pretty weird, man. Like, you know, check this out. I don't know. Maybe there is something to this. Uh, And I'm open minded, so I start looking at it, and then I start as it it just got more and more insane. You know, I'm like, no, no, no. Just take a step back. You know, (laughs) let's let's look at this objectively before you start more dot connecting because. As I said earlier, you can connect all sorts of dots, and it makes total sense in your head.
2: Um, but that doesn't mean it's real. And that ultimately, doesn't it come from a Hunter S. Thompson, like the Adrenochrome thing? It ultimately yeah, that's has... A, what,
3: that's what Robert yeah. Duffy said, yeah.
2: Right. Uh, you know, it's it, all this stuff. But then again, if you never read a Hunter S. Thompson book... Right,
4: know. right. If If you have no cultural context... And it just comes to you on a Facebook post from your uncle uh, and you read it and you go, oh, my God, that's that's really or from your yoga instructor. What the hell, man? I mean, it's 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 terrifying if if you if you think it might be true. And then in these social media bubbles that we live in, that stuff just bounces around and bounces around and, and gets more energy.
2: I want to ask you how much of this you think has been the result of a concerted effort and for lack of a better word, actually a kind of conspiracy to promote these ideas and propel them to the mainstream. I mean, I obviously think a lot of it is organic, but it seems like, you know, there there was kind of a, even if it's just one of those ideas to, you know, like Bannon admitted to just muddy the waters so much, uh, do you think there was kind of a concerted organized effort to push these into the mainstream?
4: Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely do. And it's it's the most obvious example is Donald Trump saying, hey, Russia, if you've got those emails, you know, please send them my way. And sure enough, the very next day, these emails start popping up. And it, was, it, it wasn't uh, the P- Republican Party emails. It was the Democrats' email server that was hacked. A lot of people believe, you know, possibly the GOP server got hacked too, but... You know, maybe it's better to hold on to that stuff. But so, yeah, I mean, it, it was. And I think, you know, I, I'm not saying, uh, you know, I think a lot of some people go overboard with how much Russia is involved in active measures, but they are involved in, in active measures. I think it's pretty clear that they were involved in that email dump. And that's where Pizzagate began. So uh, but but I agree. You're right. I think a lot of it is organic. I watched it happening as I was watching the stuff coming out of, you know, 4chan and, and watching us people, you know, I think some people like I used to do, just sit around and look for clues and look for dots to connect. And then they start connecting them and then it just gains momentum. So, uh, you know, if you're a foreign actor or you're someone that wants to just stir up shit, a lot of time you just have to give it that initial push and then the the you know the the people out there just take care of the rest, and I think I think that's what happened. I, I'm sure there were malign actors throwing stuff here and there. There always are. They're just regular old shit posters who just want to stir things up. But uh, yeah, I think I think a lot of it is organic. I I would agree with you on that.
3: I I wonder about where Q really kind of comes from. Whether or not. Because there's some, some possibility that Q may be some, like, right-wing forces within intelligence yeah, or whatever. Um,
4: I think it's more outliers. I mean, some of the, the investigative work I've seen is uh, that guy's name. I can't really remember now, but he's I think he's currently living on a pig farm in, uh, somewhere <laughs> in Southeast Asia. And they because they started finding, you know, locating IP addresses and stuff like that. And uh, so I think some, some journalists have started to narrow it down a little bit, but again, this person, um, all they have to do is just start the ball rolling. And then the, whether they're just deranged people who, who, you know, who just kind of make organically make up some of this crazy stuff, or if it's, you know, if it's, if it's actually orchestrated by, by certain folks, it's really hard to tell. But the end result is is pretty clear that it's weaponized and it's weaponized yeah. political conspiracy. You know, whether you're like a partisan person, uh, you know, I'm admittedly a partisan Democrat. That's I, I don't think there's any shame in, in saying that I like I like to work with you know, a certain party that represents my ideals most of the time, I'll criticize them when I need to, but this is clearly from the political right. It's been associated (laughs) with the Donald Trumpian, uh, cult, uh, which, which I think a lot of these people are, you know, it's a cult of authoritarianism. It's not really, it's not really even a a part of the the democratic process anymore. It's, It's, you know, it's full, full fledged authoritarianism. Um, and it's weaponized and it's weaponized to to aid him and and his people as as we saw you know i mean we we see what we see what conspiracy weaponized conspiracy can do you know our our seat of democracy overrun by people who were going in there to execute our elected representatives and and it doesn't get much scarier than that and that's part of the reason why I've been speaking out a lot about conspiracies and the danger that some of the you know the more deranged weaponized conspiracies can do and uh but but after that day, I just decided fuck it like i'm I'm not gonna hold back anymore when I see it i'm gonna i'm gonna call it out and and make people aware, especially in our our sort of broader Uh, you know, community that, you know, podcasts that, that we all listen to and things like that. Like I just, I finally, for cause a lot of the time I would hold back a little bit and in the sake of just not saying anything or hoping people would maybe turn their ideas around. But after seeing that, like, I can't, I just can't shut up anymore.
2: So you, you advocate, you know, have been advocating, especially since Trump this uh, magical activism, um, do you think the things that we've been talking about, do you think this is a kind of magical activism on the part of the right and the extreme right? Do you think that they have a magical strategy that involves pushing this stuff and getting people into this um, this mindset? Oh, yeah. It's I like mean, its own form of enchantment. Yeah, yeah,
4: it is. It is. Yeah. I mean, magic in a lot of ways is all about, you know, Entering into an altered state of consciousness. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the, the base of a lot of magical practice. And, um, and your boundaries get more porous when you do that. And so I definitely see, I mean, I don't know if you guys have read or talked to Gary Lachman, who has a book called Dark Star Rising. I've had him on. Yeah. Magic and Power in the Age of Trump. Um, I recommend anybody that's listening who's interested in, like, you know, the idea of magical warfare or cold mm-hmm. warfare to pick that up because it's fascinating. It's like it's the other side of what I, I've been advocating and doing um, with the, you know, quote, magi- magical resistance. And it's, they, they've definitely been at it. I mean, they've been at it since the beginning with the whole Keck um the you know the Pepe the Frog and using meme magic and stuff like that and if you read Gary's book like you know Steve Bannon and a lot of the alt-right are very steeped in uh in a lot of very right-wing magicians like Alexander Dugan in uh from Russia uh who's a who's a very very powerful force of the alt-right or the kind of fascist uh crypto fascist neo-right whatever you want to call it and also very into occultism and magic because i think when you look at politics i mean politics is kind of an occult um Mm -hmm. and thing because you've got symbols you know i mean we all know how the power of seeing like the swastika on a flag and seeing those nuremberg rallies and and just the the power and the energy that's that's whipped up uh, at, at a political rally we know it's all about symbolism we know it's all about words and chants and music and things like that and it's so you know politics can be a very powerful occult experience for a lot of people and um, so yeah they've been at it I mean they're they're definitely they're definitely been doing it from the very beginning there's a there's a thing they were doing posting on 4chan or 8chan i can't remember which but you get a you just get a random number when you post and if you got like a certain series of numbers that was considered uh like especially magical and effective and a lot of these folks really believed that these pepe the frog memes that they were doing were helping donald trump Mm uh and and that was their goal but but really like check out gary's book it's it it kind of lays it all out yeah and and the magic and occultism has always had a a very right-wing element to it as well you know julia savola and you know there's it and i think that's because magic deals a lot with power yeah and power you know people that get really like thirsty for power uh you know, maybe pray, fall prey a little more to like the kind of the fascist side of of things
2: yeah, because we've we've talked about it a lot, I think the best way to understand how this stuff grips people is through that kind of magical or spiritual lens because is you know people uh you can't argue with people who are kind of under the spell, and it is like enchantment, it is like a spell um effectively. Yeah,
4: that's that that's a perfect way of putting it. I mean, you look at these, you know, QAnon has its own shaman. <laughs> I mean, yeah. this guy. And and you know, I see a lot of people in my circle who are like kind of the spiritual like the burners, you know, the Burning Man folks and like the and You know, and the yoga people and things like that, and they've become like they've fallen prey to a lot of this stuff that I would have never have thought would have grabbed them. Uh, And the term conspirituality, I think, really has taken hold and is a really good word to describe um, the the melding of conspiracy with spirituality. And it's it's I've kind of seen it coming because you look at alternative medicine, I love alternative medicine, you know, like I, I've, I think alternative medicine is like a a good adjunct to allopathic regular medicine. Um, But it also, and same in like, let's say the UFO community or something because it's a group of people that's been marginalized by mainstream science uh by mainstream academicians and they've been told that what they believe in is silly for so long that they just that they've just turned the mainstream into the enemy and it's it's so it's kind of a natural reaction for a lot of these people the story I tell was at a, a ford fest uh, for fortians and, you know, u- ufologists and stuff like that. And I found myself in a room um, and the, after, you know, everybody had, had a few drinks. It was after the conference, everybody's sitting around in a hotel room, just talking about, you know, this and that, Bigfoot, chemtrails, blah, blah, blah. And, I, I, you know, I'm fairly skeptical about a lot of things, but the, the, the discussion went to climate change and i i believe the science of climate change like i don't believe scientists all around the world are are trying to you know foist some you know bogus mythology on us for whatever nefarious reasons i think the scientific community is pretty pretty worried about what's happening with the climate. And I think all the data are pretty clear about what's happening and what's caused.
3: Come on, Mike, it's agenda 21.
4: Yeah, right. yeah, so, yeah. So they have to revise that to 31 now. <laughs> right. So, so they, we start talking about this and I thought, I'm like, well, you know, I kind of, you know, I kind of go along with the science and within about 10 minutes, the, the whole room was people were screaming at me. And I realized there was not a single person in this entire room who even thought that there might be like a semblance of truth to the fact that the planet's heating up because we're pumping so much greenhouse gas into it. And that's affecting the climate. And that made me sort of back off a little bit and go, what's happening to these communities of people, you know, a lot of smart people but I think they've been taught for so long that the mainstream rejects them. And so that they, they can't embrace anything mainstream, you know, oh, that's just, that's what mainstream scientists say, well, they don't believe in UFOs. So why should I trust what they say about climate? And it just leads to this, this sort of relativistic, um, you know, echo chamber where where they don't believe, trust or believe anything, and then the real garbage can come in, and and the more appealing garbage that kind of tweaks their their titillates them or it it fulfills things they want to believe takes over. So it's I think we've really kind of dug ourselves into a deep hole yeah. with not teaching people discernment and not teaching people how to like separate good information from bad information. And to be inquisitive and like truly skeptical, like skeptical in the way that like Robert Anton Wilson says, you yes. question everyone's BS, but question your own BS in particular.
2: I feel like there's an inability uh, in a lot of these people to to really do some searching and and figure out that the way they ar- arrived at these conclusions uh, has been planned out, and that there's often money. You know, and invested interests in them having these beliefs, and the, you know, those people propagated these ideas to give them those beliefs. It serves somebody.
4: Yeah, it makes money. I mean, you know, the all the podcasts out there um, that are you know trafficking and like the just the dumbest nonsense, garbage conspiracies and things. And I think a lot of the time, some of these folks don't even believe the stuff that they're putting out there, but they, you know, they get clicks yes. and they get and right. they get advertisers. I mean, there's right. there's a podcast guy I I went to, you know, head to head with about Pizzagate. And then he disappeared um after, you know, he he kind of challenged me to refute Pizzagate and I refuted Pizzagate and then he just ghosted me completely. But I look on his blog to this day and he, you know, he's trafficking and you know, COVID's not real and you know encouraging people to go to these clubs in LA uh, you know night comedy clubs and restaurants that are now speakeasies because you know you can you can secretly get in there and not wear a mask and stuff like that and like you know it, it is does that worth you know the the couple of bucks you get per every 100 clicks on your website to be to be telling people to do something dangerous like that in the middle of a pandemic. And and the the pandemic has, has shown like, this is like, this is like the crazy tip of the crazy iceberg. Yeah, I work in the public health environment at a university. I talk to the epidemiologists and things like that. And I, I can't believe these people haven't just given up completely, you know, and said, fuck this. I'm going to I'm going to take a ship to a deserted island and live there because because human beings just can't seem t- to be sensible and do the right thing and and not be selfish and and accept science you know like no bill gates isn't trying to microchip you um it, people are just trying to save your fucking
0: life <laughs>
3: On our Patreon, I said a very similar thing to what you said, in that I really believe that a lot of this is about hits. It's about getting it's about getting more and more patrons, more and more listeners, more and more subscribers. I mean, I mean Surfiel, we're in this podcast world. We know how that is, we know how that feels. But it's just like you can't just say just bullshit like that. And it it also just I think comes from just a a stance of just like contrarianism, yeah is really what it is. And like ed- ed- edgelord. If, I, if I'm yeah, edge lord yeah. If I'm if I'm contrary enough, you know I'll get. I'll, and and some of them maybe they don't think about it. Maybe that they actually feel that way. But there are some like you said that I feel like, um, no, I I don't think you actually believe that. I think you may actually just we wanted to keep your listenership. Because if you said something against it, you might
4: lose 50,000 listeners. Exactly. Exactly. And it is edgelordism. Um, it's and the, the thing I've, I've also I've been called because, you know, whenever I advocate science or or talk about, you know, partisan politics or um, or just being engaged politically or activism. a a term that's been thrown out of me, you know, other than neoliberal, which I think a lot of the people that throw it out don't even understand what the hell they're (laughs) saying. That's very specific. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Is a normie, you know, oh, look at these normies. And it's got this, the the conspiracy world in particular, especially some of the communities I used to be in that I pulled out of a while back um, because I, I just couldn't handle the, what was going on there anymore is this, it's a weird sort of um, edgelord uh, elitism right it's like oh you vote you know oh god why would you vote you know it's all a scam you know voting is for sheeple or look at this person they're an activist in black lives matter or something like that don't they realize that like george soros is is the one funding that and pulling the strings behind it it's this weird nihilistic like mm-hmm. disengagement and 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 just this looking down on anything that is actually involves like civic participation, <laughs> you know, or working with other people to get something done. It's, it's, it's like you're in your, you know, you're in your little basement and you're on your laptop and you're connected to all your other edge edgelord pals and all the other people who are out there are just these sheeple, you know, that, that are just stupid and just doing pointless things that don't mean anything because we know how the world really works and i just couldn't do and it's mostly dudes it's mostly like you know 20 something through middle aged dudes uh yeah. and right. i just it's toxic as shit a lot of it overlaps with like you know like the men's rights movement and stuff like that some of the harder edge like libertarianism and it's there's just a whole lot of these like toxic currents that 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 these people sort of thrive on you know and and they get off on and their followers get off on it too and if 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 you say you're going to go out there and you know march against you know, racism or something like that. They think it's ridiculous. They think it's silly and, and you're, you know, you're, you're a normie sheeple. And I just find that kind of revolting, you know, because I, you're, I, you're I, an
3: MPC. You're a yeah, an MPC, right? Yeah. Right, oh, God. Right. yeah. Oh, I...
4: The thing, the thing
3: is with all that, and Sergio and I have talked about this in many private conversations. The thing about that is that these people, these same people and those same ideas, is all shit that you could find in that Senate report of memes the Russians were sending over the IRA, the internet research agency that they had over there. Oh yeah, It was the same. It's all the same kind of shit. So it's, it's funny. They're the ones that they're talking about. You
4: being manipulated are us being manipulated. They're being manipulated. Right. And, and it's like the, cons- the conspiracy theorists, especially the hard right, like crypto fascist types, they can't imagine that they are being conspiracized, you know, that, that they, that the stuff that they're parodying yeah. and, it's meta. and sharing. It's yeah. It's totally meta. Second order. And they just, right. it's a
2: hurdle that many of them cannot comprehend.
4: They, they can't do it. They can't do it. And I've, you know, I've tried to engage with some of these people and it's just, it's really kind of pointless Um, to the point where i i just really pulled back like i'll i'll shine a spotlight on them if i think they're there's some dangerous shit that they're saying and uh i have no problem with that and if you want to call a cancel culture well you know feel free but i think if you're saying stuff and someone else just shines a light on what you're saying and people react to that, <laughs> that's not cancel culture. You know, that's that's consequences. Like if I started railing about how Jews control Hollywood and someone, you know, in my like private member group or something like that, and someone called me out for it, that's not cancel culture. You know, that's just like saying, hey man, you know, Michael Hughes has lost his mind. He's gone off about the Jews controlling Hollywood and I should be exposed for that sort of thing
2: one thing I've seen more than anything characterize um, a lot of this new scene is just the the relative newness to all this. And I feel like we kind of have the same background, you know, been into this for, being into these speculative cultures for decades, and it's really hard to find a lot of people who've been in this stuff for decades who don't develop a more nuanced view of things, who, you know, are, are don't become more skeptical when they hear a new conspiracy theory. And, you know, I just think it's it's a lack of uh, historical perspective. And it's a lot of people who who just recently got politicized, who just recently got turned on to this stuff through the the Internet, through the, the social media stuff, especially. And it's just, it's just different, but I think in that I think we have opportunity for like old school people like us to do things like what Robert Guffey did with his salon articles and like taking a deep dive and helping the normies understand how this stuff kind of really develops and takes hold in people and how we can kind of counter it. I think I think it's something that we can we can do as as kind of the old school.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it. We've we've learned. Yeah, you know, I mean we've we've been in this stuff for a long time and we've seen, you know, I mean, we've seen what happens to let's, you know, just looking at UFO culture when uh, you know, behold a pale horse came out and people reading that I saw like a guy on, on a bus one day riding that. And I'm like, Holy shit, that book is still around, you know? Um, but but we've seen we've seen these things happen. Like we've seen we've been in it long enough that we can start to smell when something's going rancid and, and going, going bad. And, you know, David Ike, I remember, you know, I started listening to David Ike and bought one of his books and, and, you know, I didn't know any better. I was just like, uh, you know, it was just a whole hodgepodge of conspiracies. And then I started seeing like, you know, the undercurrents and all that. And I realized that this guy was, you know, way, 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 off his rocker um i had a good friend of mine who was like a new age healer person she wrote a book about this like light entity that came into her life called the teacher and you know it was really just kind of standard new age fair and she started uh sh- she got a guest appearance on the jeff rents show yeah. i don't know if you remember his yeah his website and his radio show and i mean pure nazi like he had like Ernst Zundel and Holocaust deniers on there, and she became a rabbin anti semite, uh, and I had to break off my friendship with her. I'm like, you've lost your, you've lost your mind, you know. So we've seen these things happen. So I think we, we start to see when things start going south or going in a really bad direction, and I, I do think it's up to us to kind of help some of these people, you know, get their shit together. And try to try to get them to start thinking a little more logically, and 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 you know to develop that kind of discernment that you need if you want to stay you know into this yeah. stuff. We need to do it like it's up to us old guys because I it, it, and um, and but we can only do so much. You know, mm-hmm. it's a people get people get deep and they get you know brainwashed and. Uh, they get led, you know, a lot of charismatic people slinging this stuff.
3: Well, you had one that that you kind of went after just recently, and he was like physically threatening,
4: inciting his own kind of mob. Yeah, there have been lots of that. I mean, um, I, you know, I was getting it from all sides with like the Trump uh, binding spell, you know, which I thought maybe 20 or 30 people would would find amusing or or you know take part or whatever but you know I was getting it from the evangelical death threats from like you know the evangelical <laughs> trumpers but I was also getting it from the occult community too which I, I was found kind of interesting I mean curses and all this sort of thing and uh you know recently I I after after the invasion of the capital and you know, when I saw guys with like zip ties and stuff running around in there and and you know, putting a noose up on the on the Capitol property and I, I it was it was quite obvious what they were there to do. And uh I, I just decided I couldn't couldn't not say anything anymore. So there was a particular occultist uh recently, uh Gordon White, he's got a blog called uh, Rune Soup. Uh, I loved Gordon. I, th- I I was on a show. I did a tarot show with him. I interviewed him on Soraya's show. Where'd the road go? Oh a yeah, I remember I that. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was like, I was like fanboy, um, because I thought his writing on magic was was really good. I still think it is. I mean, he's a great writer. He's a super smart guy, but um, but he started going really weirdly to the right uh, before the 2016 election which is fine. But some of the stuff he was saying was, you know, clearly like nonsensical about killery as he called her and things like that. And, and kind of, you know, giving Trump a pass, like a lot of these allegedly non-political people do. Um, but then it was, he started, you know, cause I still got his newsletters. He started going off about like COVID was a psyop and it wasn't real. And if you, and you're going to hear, Things on the internet like your hairdresser's cousin died of covid but don't believe it um and you know and like i said i work with a lot of public health people i was seeing what was happening and to have someone you know saying this pandemic was was a bill gates psyop or something i mean first of all it's the same shit the QAnon people are saying so you you might you might say QAnon is ridiculous but but if you're basically parroting the same propaganda that they are then you're just no better than them um and so the anti-covid stuff just got worse and worse and then so some of the people in his members only group started sending me stuff because because i was publicly kind of questioning what he was saying and they're like you would not believe what this guy's saying in in this private group and i said well tell me yeah behind a paywall so people were paying to hear this so they sent they sent me a video and I suffered through the whole thing um you know there was some terrible stuff like saying doctors are uh sheep and cowards uh just terrible stuff putting down public health workers and um but but then he's got all these predictions that he's making that biden's gonna lock first he said trump was you know his prediction was trump was going to win but then he was wrong about that and that biden's going to lock us all down in our homes in february uh but the very last thing at the end and this is what people said you got to listen to the end of it um he said he said people who were telling us to you know wear masks and uh you know set, you know stay home and and you know of social distance and all that. He said, "Better shut the fuck up." He said, "For their own safety." He said, "Because you know what happens to uh, to scolds like that." He says they get they get put up against the wall like prison guards and snitches. And then again, he said, "I'm saying this for their own safety. Shut <laughs> the fuck up." And you know, I. I'm, I'm beating myself in the head for ever lent, you know, for, for praising this guy in the past and being on his show and buying, you know, three of his books that he's published to find out that, you know, he's, he's saying that, you know, people like people that I work with in the field of public health who are trying to keep people alive, doctors, and nurses and epidemiologists that because they're telling people to do the right thing during this what he calls a hoax pandemic that they should be put up against a wall you know like prison guards and snitches and shut the fuck up shut the fuck up for your own safety shut the fuck up and that's when a lot of people said okay i'm done like i'm out of your group um But it's the perfect example of, of conspirituality as a person who's very charismatic, smart, I mean, brilliant speaker, you know, I mean, the guy can just speak off the cuff uh, on all kinds of subjects and sounds brilliant. But when you're saying, you know, when people are paying you and you're, you're having these, these ridiculously dangerous fantasies about, you know, killing people, because they told you that you shouldn't have a birthday party with like your extended family. Um, that's, that's, that's really bad. I mean, that deserves to be known. Um, and a lot of smart people appear on his show uh, and, and, and he's published by a major uh, publisher. My one of my publishers published my, my nonfiction book. And I think, you know, people, People have to take that into consideration if you want to give a platform to somebody that is advocating, first of all, you know, ignoring a pandemic and not being like a good citizen and trying not to sicken other people, if not just yourself, but having these violent fantasies about, and he talked about insurrection, you know, there's going to be an insurrection against these, you know, these public health restrictions. And he says, not time yet but that time will come. It's like, no, man, you know what? If, if no, like if you have a responsibility, if, if, if you have a group of people who believe the things that you say and who kind of look at you as a teacher and you're out there telling them dangerous stuff like this, I'm sorry, you, you, you need to be exposed for doing that. And in the past I might've let that sort of thing slide uh, but after watching these yahoos with with uh zip ties and stun guns and, you know uh on 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 the hunt for blood uh of people that we elected in this country and an election that we were trying to you know to just finish fair and square nah it's it's too it's it, the, we can't just let that kind of stuff pass anymore
3: that that's here's the thing. Mike that he's from Australia, isn't he?
4: Isn't he? Yeah, in Australia? I mean he was he was British. Um, I think he's living in Tasmania now.
3: Okay. So so he's living in a country that has pretty much figured COVID out, that has pretty much gone back to normal because of certain restrictions that were in place. So so as you're saying, as you're talking about this, I'm just thinking to myself, what he's doing is he's playing to the American audience.
4: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's all, and a lot of what he does is based on this guy named Martin Armstrong, who's like a convicted uh, financial criminal uh, that has this computer, you know, it's like Nostradamus type computer that's supposed to predict uh, future trends and all this stuff. So it's, it's like built on half-baked nonsense anyway. Um, But come on, man, you want to talk about like occultism and stuff like that? You know, great. You want to talk about chaos, magic, great. But when you're talking about insurrection against people who are trying to keep people alive during a global pandemic, and you're having these, you're airing your own violent fantasies about what you want to do to these folks, you've, you've blown all credibility. And if I was a publisher, I would say, I'm oh, sorry, man. <laughs> like I'm not touching your, your book anymore. And that's not cancel culture. Like, I you know I, I if I was a publisher I would not publish the Turner diaries <laughs> um you know the most vile book I ever read the most eye opening uh book I've ever read about like the far right I would not publish uh stuff about holocaust revisionism and and you know so you y- you make a decision uh, I, I'm not the government censoring someone if I'm a publisher and some somebody's has these, you know, is preaching these violent fantasies and telling people not to wear a mask and to rise up against doctors and nurses uh, around the world who are trying to, you know, keep everybody alive as best they can, putting their own lives at risk. So, I mean, that was just that was just the most recent sort of tip of the iceberg, um, and that, but it's an indication of this this really dark trend. In, yeah. in conspiracy and spiritual communities, and uh, uh, you know, it it I, it just at that point when I read that, I said, I I, I I I can't shut up about this. Like people need to know this is this is what this guy is saying.
3: Yeah, I'm totally not interested in having a Holocaust denier, or are a QAnon person, like even on the show. Like there's 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 no point you know like like oh i need to air their point of view like no no i don't you know like their the, their point of view is out there you know and there's plenty of other there's plenty of other shows that are that are
4: doing that unfortunately too too many and and so many of the conspiracy shows have tilted so far right um and even even uh, podcasts and radio shows in um you know in the paranormal world and stuff like that are infected with this too and I, I think it's just up to us as as like reasonable people in our communities to to yes call call this stuff out when we see it you know i'm not saying you know burn someone i'm not saying shut them down so that they never they can't publish again or anything like that i'm just saying let's let's at least get a grip on what's going on in our communities shine a light on like the egregious stuff that's going on, but do the right thing, which is promote shows like yours, you know, where, where, where you, you are, you, you take care to screen out, you know, obvious garbage or antisemitism or just racism and things like that. Like we don't need to hear that. There's no mandate to give every, you know, every person a say we have plat we have platforms so we should and there's there's so much good interesting stuff out there there's no reason yeah to give the people who are who are hate you know pushing hateful ideology they don't they let them let them start their own shows
2: i mean we've really been in the middle of it and really had to take a stand about a lot of different different issues that have kind of been forced to the forefront. And we've actually found that in doing that, we have gotten, like, way more appreciation and engagement from the fans because they know, like, Conspiranormal is a place for for weirdos, for people who like to speculate and they're into weird stuff, but they're not going to get that garbage, you know, and so it's, it's really helped us, you know, we were worried a lot because we, we did try to, you know, toe the line so much before and not come across as overly political, et cetera, but it just got to that point. And once we really started, you know, setting those boundaries and really coming out and being more open about how we felt about things, we got a, a better response. So, yeah, yeah.
4: Because you're, you're, you're being reasonable people. You know, and you're you're not just like those podcasts to go, "Oh, this guy talks about you know subject X, and he might be a little racist, but, hey, you know he's got a big following, so we'll we'll bring him on anyway. And I'm not you know a friend of mine in in our shared communities, you know, was going off on me like,, what are you like making list of people now? Like and I'm like, well, we always make lists of people, you know? Like, if, if, if I heard someone come on your show and say, like, despicable things, that person's on my list of someone I don't want to listen to anymore. You know, I'm not advocating, like, censorship. I'm advocating that we're just aware, you know. And we just we take note of people who are saying really awful things or saying really dangerous things. And we just, you know, if maybe invite someone else instead of that person. It's not cancel culture. If what you're saying is so egregious and horrifying that people don't want to associate with you, that's just, that's not cancel culture. That's just, all right, I don't like what you're saying, so I don't want to listen to you anymore. Um, And that goes for people with platforms too. We do it all the time. I mean, if you have a guest who's totally, you know off his or her rocker you don't have them on but again it's it's not good for your reputation so you just you know and that's not canceling that's just being selective about about who we feature and who we give a platform to right. and,
3: and i think for me just personally and I, i'm you know Serviel and i've talked about this that like once covid really hit it seemed to be like you knew kind of like what side you were on. Like, it seemed like people got along, you got along with these people, you were okay with them. And then all of a sudden they just start coming out with these just weird ideas. And for us, it was just like, you know, no guys like this. No, (laughs) this is not, this is not how this is going to be. And the whole thing with COVID what blows my mind about it as as much denial as there has been about it that like I grew up really grew grew up in this kind of this, this conspiracy culture of like, Oh, the, the, the big change is going to come. And like the, the big life shattering change, red Dawn is coming or whatever. And then all of a sudden here it is here. It is conspiracy freaks. This is what you've been waiting for and it's like no it, it's not real the one thing that like actually was the big life changing event wasn't the big life changing event for them
4: and it's easy like it's it's easy as like a, a person who's been immersed in conspiracy theory for so long to look at when something like this happens a global pandemic right um you can easily find this scientist is saying this This scientist is saying this and and start to think, oh, well, that's this is bullshit because they're saying two different things. It's like when there's a mass shooting. Right. Um, And someone says, I saw two people run from the building and somebody else says, oh, no, I saw three people. And before you know it, the conspiracy theorists are jumping on that and going, see, it's a false flag. Because that person said they saw two people. That person said they saw one person and that doesn't add up. So clearly there's, we're being hoodwinked here when really, oh, yeah. when, you know, chaotic things happen, mm-hmm. people get different, you know, people think they see something like, it's like the game of, you know, uh, telephone where someone says, and so there's, there are always inconsistencies because it's chaos and and that doesn't mean just because there's inconsistencies, that that it's some kind of plot and it's falling apart. And that you can just because one person says something, the other says something. So multiply that by this pandemic, that you know. First of all, China is you know kind of trying to tamp and tamp down on, because they don't want to look bad, and they're kind of an authoritarian, you know, country uh, to put it mildly. And then you've got a virus that no one's ever seen before. So some people are saying wear a mask, some people are saying no, it's transfer. So, you know, you're getting all of these different uh, you know bits of information. So if you're a conspiracy oriented person, you go, see? It's a lot and you look for that one weird little glitch in all that information. You go, aha, that's see, Well, wow, see Bill Gates um he was you know he's got the gates foundation for immunization and wow so now there's this big plague you know so that means bill gates about and you just start cooking up mm-hmm. all this stuff so the more chaos there is the easy the easier it is to buy into the and we want a clean narrative like it's yeah. so easy right now with these variants of covid popping up i've seen some of the conspiratorial people say see Uh, You know, now they're saying it's variants. The whole idea is just to keep you wearing a mask. So you breathe your own carbon dioxide and you get dumber. And then they'll give you the Bill Gates vaccine and we'll all be controlled by 5G, you know, yada, 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 whatever they're saying. So it's in a time of chaos is the prime time for people to start, you know, kind of glomming on to conspiracies because they're like, aha, see? Variants now, right? Oh, just when the vaccine comes out, now there's variants out, and now that means we're just going to have to hunker down. And they're trying to destroy small businesses, you know. And it goes on and on and on. So it is the perfect storm. I mean, the the, the Trump cult and COVID. I mean, if you were the Illuminati, and you <laughs> and, you know that you have just had your most brilliant master strokes. Yeah, it's, uh, by doing it, that
3: it really was something that couldn't have happened at the worst possible time yep in our history
4: exactly
3: with the probably the worst possible person <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh to 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 handle it I, I you know i mean really i mean truly i mean we're, we're gonna look back on it and we're gonna we're gonna see that
4: um i, I, I agree the, the other thing i wanted to say real quick is that yeah um you know, yes, it's the worst time it could have happened. But I, 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 I took a like a, a microbiology class like back in 1992 or something like that. And in that class, I'll never forget, we were talking about um, uh, climate change and the acceleration of like microbes and pandemics and especially microbes that jump from you know, from animals to humans, and especially in, like, market, wet markets and stuff like that. And that's the thing. Like, people have been running around warning about this stuff for decades now. And But you're so right. Like, if you could find the absolute worst time to throw a global pandemic on people, uh, wow. It certainly couldn't have been planned better by the Illuminati if they were, if they were trying to do this.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's very, very true. Um, I wanted to ask you a question about something. We're going to do a little Patreon segment about this, me, myself, and Serfiel, but um, this is on uh, the Netflix series Surviving Death, and I know that you've watched the part that, that I'm going to ask you about, which is the part about mediums. And, like, you're a mentalist. We talked about that, I think, in the first episode I ever had you on. God, that was probably like 2015 or something now. But, um, you, what are your thoughts on that? Because, you know, it, <laughs> I, I, I found myself just kind of tuning out on those episodes, honestly.
4: Yeah. Um, mediumship is a difficult subject for me. Um, first of all, because I'm not, uh, completely opposed to the idea that people can maybe tap into spirits of the dead. Um, you know, I don't inherently reject that at all. Um, I've read a lot of books about some of the early investigations of the society for psychical research and some of the mediums like back in the, uh, in the 19th century and things like that. And it's pretty fascinating stuff. And those guys weren't just, you know, easily hoodwinked, um, you know, people. They were scientists, and in some in some of the cases, they tested some of the mediums in bright light and did their best to rule out trickery. And we know Houdini was, you know, like the king of the exposers. Um, so there was always a skeptical element. But for me, mediumship is one of the, uh, because I've studied mentalism, and that includes things like cold reading, uh, which is when just in a conversation with somebody, you kind of feed them uh, little bits of information, and you watch how they react, and then you pull, and you could do a lot with cold reading. Like, uh, you can be a great medium and just be a cold reader and have people walk away thinking, you know, oh, my God, that person just was talking to uncle Charlie. Um, There's also hot reading, which is when uh, it used to be a lot harder because let's say someone would get your name and they know you're coming for the reading, they get your phone number. Well, they would maybe find out where you worked they could look in some public records where they'd have to go to the library or the city hall or something like that and dig up stuff about you. And there were definitely readers that did that sort of thing. But now, as we saw on that show, and thankfully, they left that part in. Um, in the I think it was the Dutch medium um, did this reading for a family. And, you know, the family are, you know, like, suitably impressed and blown away. But then they show them in conversation going, you know what? All that stuff she said was on Facebook. And I'm so glad they left that in because at one point the medium turned to the guy and said, you know, do you have, you like cars? He's like, like, yes. Yeah. I like cars. Did you have an ugly green car once? She's like, Oh my God. Yeah. You know, you really are uncle Charlie. Um, and then they showed <laughs> scrolling through his facebook feed you know there's a whole bunch of cars and there's the image of his ugly green car and you know his probably his text like hey man i had this ugly green gremlin back in 1979 or whatever and i thought that was i'm surprised they left that in there because i think the the emphasis of the show is on the reality of consciousness surviving death uh, I was really shocked that they left it in there. And that medium, I, I have to say I had kind of a gut uh, reaction to anyway, her, her voices just seemed really cheesy. I also, um, this, the physical mediums are also the ones who are, I think most inclined to do fakery. And the fact that you have to get inside a spirit cabinet, which is, you know, from the night, a 19th century thing. And, and and they they wouldn't
3: let them they wouldn't let them film right
4: and you can't film of course because the spirits don't don't like the cameras yeah it has to be in darkness and all this kind of thing yeah and also i mean being a mentalist and knowing so much of the fakery uh that can be done and how easy it is uh, really makes me always inherently skeptical of mediumship i've also talked to people who've gone to visit mediums who have had like profound experiences and messages that seemed absolutely impossible that weren't on social media or anything like that so i'm not absolutely skeptical but when you see how easy it is for some of these folks to get information nowadays because we're putting everything about ourselves out on the internet And there's just, like, if you got on my Facebook feed, you could find, you could scroll through it for, you know, 10 years and find all these crazy stuff about me that I forgot that I even put up there, probably. So I I like Leslie Kane. I think she's done some good journalism when it comes to UFOs. I read the book, Surviving Death. I think there's some really interesting information in there. Uh, especially the near-death experiences. I think her, her stuff about um, reincarnation, there's some really mind-blowing cases. Uh, I think a lot of that's really good, but I think she got too tight with a mediumship community. And whenever you get tight with a, with a community like that, I think you tend to sometimes overlook some stuff or maybe maybe put your objectivity aside a little bit um so i I, yeah i i I think it was good that they left that bit of you know what might be called exposure in there i I think it's really important for for people to see that and realize there are people who want to con you out there and a lot of these mediums charge a lot of money um you know hundreds of dollars just to sit with them for an hour or so that's a pretty damn good gig um and and the other thing I always say to anyone whether you're invest- especially when you're investigating someone who's allegedly has any sort of psychic powers, take a magician or a mentalist. they know how to fool people. If you take a doctor, a doctor doesn't know how the trickery's done if you you know he can be the smartest surgeon in the world, but he doesn't know you know like a simple sleight of hand move. They can, you know, exchange a piece of paper that you've written on for another one that then the, you know, this person can read. Or you know, yeah, so it's just critical, I think, for any sort of investigation of the paranormal to take a mentalist or a magician, or you know, two if you can. Um, and we've seen before there was a magician named Banachek, who I've met a few times, a mentalist, and he fooled the SRI team. Um randy he did he did it with randy like he collaborated with james randy and they went i think they fooled like hal put off and i hope i'm right about this that 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 was the crew that he fooled but banachek uh as he's known um went in and and fooled the pants off these guys under you know allegedly controlled conditions and so you gotta you just you have you just need someone who knows the trickery um and, and it's (laughs) <laughs> Funny anecdote, at another one of these Fortian conferences I went to used to be called the Fort Fest held in Baltimore, I did it, I did like a psychic demonstration for the group. And I said, Okay, I'm gonna do this psychic demonstration, but it's all trickery. Um, and and it's the best material that I had like it seems absolutely impossible. Like someone would write something down in a piece of paper and fold it up and stick it in their pocket. And I'd never see it, the name of like an old friend or something like that. And I'd go up to them and start talking to them. And I'd say, your friend, Butchie. And they'd be like, oh my God, how did you know that? How did you know that? And even though I told them all, these, all this stuff that I was doing was trickery, Several of them came up afterwards like, man, that wasn't a trick. I'm like, yeah, 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 no, it's really yeah. it was a trick. I I promise. No, there's no way that could have been a trick. So it really taught me that not only is it easy to and I don't like like I, I I would never pretend to talk to somebody's dead uncle, you know, even though I could do it. I just think that's exploitive and horrible. And unethical as anything, um, but it really did taught me that when people want to believe something, you can fool the pants off of them, and and they will to the ends of the earth. They will say that you are an absolute brilliant psychic, and you did talk to Aunt Molly, and you know it's so. It's it's just amazing human psychology. Like when we want to believe something. The lengths we will go to to believe it
3: yeah i wonder about the therapeutic aspect of it whether that it does have its own kind of place mm-hmm. that people yeah, that it's I, a form of its own form of therapy
4: it is it is and uh you know so many of us want to believe that when we die there's something else and we want to believe that when someone we love or care about dies that they're still out there somehow right. watching over us or able to communicate with us and that may very well be true i mean there's there's plenty of pretty solid interesting data that that shows that you know i i certainly would not rule it out uh, just to just to say that much um So, and it does, you know, maybe going to a fraudulent medium and she, you know, talks in a cute little voice and pretends to be that child you lost, um, you know, who was four when she died. um, And you feel like you've made a connection with her and she tells you it's all right. And that's what a lot of these messages are from these mediums. Like, I'm okay. Um, I'm still there with you. I still love you um one day we're going to be together again so just be happy now it is it it is therapeutic um and so that's like the that's like the the weird ethical line um if it makes people feel better is it wrong that maybe they're 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 being a fraud about it maybe some of these people they know they're frauds but they still feel like they're doing you know a really healing thing for someone um I read tarot cards professionally for people. Uh, some people think that's fraudulent, you know, but I just I, I I just put cards down and and I say what I see, and sometimes that's helpful for for people, um, and and makes them feel better. I don't intentionally do it to make them feel better, but, you know, with, with a tarot card reading or something, it's more of like a conversation between two people. You're looking at these symbols and you're, you're having a conversation. You're having a dialogue about what you see and that could be really healing for people. It can, it can help them think about their problems. I don't necessarily say I'm like seeing their future, but I do say that like when I put down some cards, sometimes, sometimes, because of those images, things come to the surface that are happening to them or that they're worried about or whatever. And we have a conversation and they go away. And uh, so maybe mediumship is kind of similar to that. Um, I just couldn't do it. Like I couldn't, I, I, it's it, it just profoundly unethical f- to me to maybe look up somebody's stuff on Facebook and then go, hey, what about that time cousin Billy and was in the pool with you and and he hit you in the head with a rock? And I just couldn't do that. you know? How did you, how did you know? <laughs> People
3: want yeah, to I've had some interesting experiences with tarot. But every time that I have those experiences, there is still some, that, that thing in the back of my mind of just like, well, maybe this is just me, my own psychology, putting what – i think my interpretation the person interpreting it and then my interpretation of that interpretation
4: right i consider it a dialogue like when i teach people tarot and how to read cards stuff like that i'm like it's a conversation you're looking at pictures and talking to each other about things you think and you see and you feel and that's you know What's wrong with that? I mean, uh, as long as you're not saying, oh, the cards say, do not marry that person or your <laughs> life will be hell or, or you're going to die. Or no, the cards say you don't have cancer, you know, stuff like that. I mean, there's certain things uh, I just don't go to. But the tarot is weird. There was a period. You just made me think of this when you said, you know, things that happen to you. There was a period of, of several months where every every day I was you know it comes and goes with me and tarot I don't draw cards every day like you know I have phases where I use it more or not but there was a period of a couple of months I think probably close to about three years ago now where I would just start taking like one card a day I'd shuffle the deck up and I'd take a card and sometimes I would just use the 22 major cards and, and leave the others aside whatever but so one day I draw the death card. My one card is a death card. Like, uh-huh, you know, put the card back. Um, next day, my one card draw, shuffle them all up again, the death card. The next day, my one card draw, shuffle them again, the death card. It got to the point, and this was weeks, not every day, but like every couple of days that I would just steal myself and and I'd go, I'm just going to laugh if it's the goddamn death card again. <laughs> And I'd shuffle, and then I'd shuffle again. And I'd go, okay, I'm going to cut it one more time. Damn, if it wasn't the death card. And I'm not like a fatalistic weirdo when it comes to things like that. I was getting a little freaked out. Like, what does right. it mean to keep drawing the death card? Like, what is going on here? The, the, you know, The probability of that happening so many times out of a completely shuffled deck of cards was just – baffling to me but eventually i mean i think i just stopped i was just like all right i'm not doing, doing this anymore but there's when weird stuff like that happens you're like like you know i don't even understand why it happened or have a reason why it happened i don't think anyone was going to die or meant anything about a new beginning for me or anything like that it was just a quirky weird synchronicity thing that just kept happening um And, you know, when you work with tarot for long enough, you just sometimes crazy stuff like that happens. Like you'll keep drawing the same card, you know, over and over for days or it'll keep you do readings for 10 people and the same card keeps coming up in the same place. Stuff like that. So it's 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 fascinating. I have no answer. (laughs) I don't know Uh. why that happens, but it's it's really (laughs) weird.
3: Well, Mike, this has been awesome, man. I really appreciate you coming on and doing this. Uh, we, we covered a lot of ground, I think, a lot of good things that needed to be said. Uh, where can people find your books, uh, find you, all that good stuff?
4: Sure. Well, I'm everywhere. Uh, I'm not really an Instagram person, but Facebook and Twitter, I'm pretty pretty easily findable on Twitter. Uh, Michael M. Hughes. Uh, my website is michaelmhughes.com, and you can find links to my books there, my fiction as well as the nonfiction. Um, and I just want to thank you guys because it's like you know, there's a there's fewer and fewer podcasts I think that um, that have really kind of resisted some of the 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 really uh, troubling trends um especially in the the weird community and i I just think you guys do just a bang up job like being skeptical but but appropriately open-minded and you know respectful interviewers and things like that so uh i am always happy to to come on and and chat chat with you because uh it's fewer and far between these days
3: Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. I think that's a good place to end it. All right. uh, Stay on the line for us, Mike. We're going to close this section out. We'll be back to close out this uh, interesting show on Conspiranormal. Hey guys welcome back to Conspira normal We're here to briefly close out the show and that was a very very good interesting interview with Michael Michael Hughes I really enjoyed that some very relatable
2: um, very relatable discussion and we've kind of been at the front lines of a lot of the very things we were talking about so
3: yeah a very very timely discussion as well It kind of goes back to other discussions that we've had with like Robert Guffey and Eric Davis and a few other people. Too so, you almost want to, might want to take yeah, those and yeah. listen to all three of those and and, and, and also maybe our recent Doctor Future interview too. So it all kind of like goes together and some of, some of the things that we're that we're hitting. Um, I just think it's important. I think it's important for people to understand uh, where we where we feel about this and, um, you know, some of these podcasters that are out there that are. Basically, I mean, they're making their audience happy, and I get that, but, you know, the some of the damage that could be caused is, well, you know, we don't know the, the ramifications of that. So, um, hopefully that, uh, I don't know, I just wish we could live in, like, calmer times, but uh, it kind of is what it is right now, so.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think that uh, the times that we come from with the 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 generation of this these cultures that we're from, uh, I think those times were kind of easier to coexist with um, people with extreme political opinions, and uh, kept a lot of things kind of at a safe distance. That I think has been made pretty much impossible now, and I think that has a lot to do with how things have changed.
3: Hey guys we've talked a lot about this on our patreon if you guys want to go back and and listen to that if you already are a patreon if you are not consider becoming one but uh the beginning of this year back last month now in january we talked about we did three episodes just kind of about all this kind of um things that are going on so go back and check those out um so I feel like you tell everybody how they could go to our Patreon.
2: Yeah, every week uh, we have a fresh new patron episode for you. Uh, those are for our $5 and up patrons who are the International Association of Conspiranormalists. That's the $5 level. Gets you a patron episode every week as well as other goodies including a membership button and uh, secret communications from the center of the order. Uh, at We did just enjoy our first uh, Ball of the Mystic Crew, which is a monthly hangout for our $10 Nut patrons. Uh, we had a lot of fun in that. We just kind of uh, partied and, and talked, but in the following ones, which there's going to be one every month, we are going to have uh, special guests and presentations, games, raffles, things like that, and uh, give you access to... Uh, us and guests of the show. And at the $20 level is the Ancient Circle of Strange Realities. Um, that gets you an exclusive t shirt, not available on the T Public site. Gets you all the previous privileges and VIP experiences at the Strange Realities Conference, in whatever form that takes this year. Uh, you also get access to the recordings of the previous conferences. And uh, we just really want to thank everybody. It's been really successful since we've instituted this new patron regime. And uh, if you're at any of those uh, lower levels, consider upping your pledge. It really helps. We're getting some uh, technical stuff upgraded here. So it should be, uh, we should be beginning to have improved audio quality. And uh, looking for other improvements as well. We reached our $500 goal, which we just really want to thank everybody for. And uh, really, really helps us expand this and invest in the strange realities and the show. We really appreciate it, guys.
3: Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for for helping us out. And uh, we are going to be trying to give you as much uh, content as we possibly can. Uh, speaking of which, uh, join us in this coming fr- Friday or Saturday. We are going to be, from with the time that this posts, we are going to be talking on the Patreon about uh, the Surviving Death miniseries, uh, documentary series on Netflix, and just some of our thoughts about it. So uh, join us there. And next week, Christopher Ernst is going to join us. Be back next time with Normal.
2: If you would like to help the show, please consider becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com
1: slash conspirinormal. Or leave a one-time donation at conspiranormal.com. And please check out our YouTube channel, Conspiranormal Podcasts.